When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today is Sunday, May 21st, 2017. This is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, and I am Matt Ignall. And we want to welcome everyone inside to another edition of Celtics Beat. What a week it has been for the Boston Celtics winning Game 7 in thrilling fashion. The Kelly Olynyk game. Then, the very next night, receiving the number one overall pick in the 2017 NBA draft before ending the week by being absolutely humbled by the Cavs. On top of that, to add... Injury to insult, Isaiah Thomas aggravated a right hip strain he suffered in Game 6 in the Wizards series. It looks pretty serious. Matt Ignall here, filling in for Larry H. Russell on this morning of Game 3 of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Boston Celtics. You might recognize me from the Celtics Roundtable on the Boston Celtics newsfeed, another essential CLNS podcast, which features pregame reports, daily debate and discussion, postgame audio clips, and of course, Celtics news. In just a moment, I am going to be joined by Sam Vecini, who writes for Vice Sports Sporting News and has his own podcast on the CLNS Media Network, Game Theory, where Sam discusses basketball at the high school, college, and NBA level. Right now, however, their focus is on the NBA draft. Believe me when I say it's a must-listen for true basketball junkies. We are going to be discussing the Eastern Conference Finals and that number one pick. But first, a message from the host of Celtics Beat to you, the fans of the show. Here's Larry H. Russell. Thanks, Matt. I want to take this time to offer a few words to those who continue to take the time themselves to download and listen to this show week in and week out, and especially now as, as more and more inquiries and messages have come in through all mediums of means of communication with us here at that network with myself, uh, Nick Gelso, I can speak for him, and anyone else associated with this broadcast and the network itself. First off, I am beyond flattered, especially messages that have been personally addressed to me. I know it sounds quite stale, but it's just about impossible to put into words to describe how much the compliments of of me alone, of the show, of CLNS, especially these past four weeks now, what that means to me, believe me when I say it, despite this being what I do for a living, the appreciation from those who listen, especially to whomever I know personally as well, that is still the driving force as to why I do this week in and week out. Uh, yes, even so far more than my own love of the Celtics, and of course that, that does pay the bills. 
Uh, that is an admittance to vanity, but I may as well be straight with everyone. I seriously cannot thank everyone enough who downloads Celtics Beat, let alone those who actually personally make me aware of that. So I just wanted to take this time to give a quick update on my whereabouts, especially since a return here on my end is very, very near. And I can even actually take a, have, offer a take or two on this very Celtics team that has been the focal point of this broadcast for the better part of five years now. As, after all, they are here in the freaking Eastern Conference Finals. And, oh yeah, they just won the, the rights to the number one overall selection in the coming NBA draft earlier this week. So, suffice it to say, uh, I have missed a lot since the last time I was on the air at the end of April. Um, but the Celtics haven't missed me, which I guess is fine for everyone. Uh, after all, man is defined by their contributions to the common cause, to whatever degree, although I would say for me it's small. But anyways, uh, as many of you know me as, as the host of this broadcast, uh, more so I am the executive producer here at what is now the CLNS Media Network, and, and with it come some other responsibilities to the network, to podcasters throughout our channel and, and the mobile app. And to those who utilize our app, you may have noticed that there are additions to that channel by the day. Jim Grant, the famed independent investment analyst, he who was once former presidential candidate Ron Paul's choice for chairman of the Federal Reserve. Uh, he's been publishing Grant's Interest Rate Observer for the better part of 35 years now. He's a frequent guest on all the business shows. Charlie Rose, 60 Minutes, he's done some cover stories for Time Magazine. His broadcast, uh, Grant's podcast, that is available on the CLNS app now. That is something I cannot tell you how proud we are of that, especially myself. I, I can't wait for that going forward. It, it's been a great success thus far, and I've had a lot of fun even just be working with it, although I do can't wait to get back here. But also just running down the roster, one of the largest history and education podcasts in the interwebs, a personal favorite of mine, actually, History of Ancient Greece. And also, yes, for our basketball-centric audience, especially Celtics, Lakers Nation, Cavs Nation, which is hosted by our good friend Coach Nick. Their shows and, and everything else that's, that's been coming on board, we've spent a lot of time getting that up and running, a lot of production, promotion, monetizing the content. I, I've, I've spent a lot of time, on the, just a lot of travel, so I still am, as I'm sure anyone who's listening to the cell phone recording can conclude by now. But um, also the biggie, the new CLNS website, which uh, is set to launch in June, it was, it's been a massive undertaking but we're just about ready to rock with that, which means I'll be ready to rock here. So actually, to celebrate CLNS Radio's relaunch of CLNS Media, we're going to be giving away an authentic Bill Russell autograph, Spalding. Enter at clnscontest.com. at clnscontest.com. The contest ends on June 7th. You can share with your friends and get the bonus entries. All of this could not have been done without you, you who have deemed our content worth your consumption over the years now. That is why we do all these contests for autographs, playoff tickets, Celtics meet and greets, any ways we can reciprocate on our end. And all of this cannot have been done without the Celtics themselves. Remember once way back yonder when Boston mainstream media still kind of do actually. They're now being they're having their hand forced a little bit by you, the consumer. Thank you very much. But once upon a time, they deemed the Celtics not interesting enough for your time, even despite your demands. Oh, they don't have a big enough fan base. They won't bring in the ratings, which you know won't bring in the money. Well, we can see now, especially with our success here at CLNS, that's complete BS. Uh, because look at this. And now on their end, their only means of being able to address the demands that there is for Celtics content is to 
engage in basketball discourse simply by trolling Celtics fans. The same very Celtics fans or basketball fans in general that have been the driving force behind the success here at CLNS, where we're hiring talent from all realms. We're bringing in new sponsors. We're opening many more streams of revenue. We're hiring, not firing. The media, in our eyes, has never been more healthy. It is not a dangerous time for the industry. It is for the losers. It is not for the winners. And we know who the winners and the losers are now. That is as clear as day. And we are going to continue to treat our audience and those who engage with us with the amount of respect and decency they deserve. And mark my words, work harder than ever at putting forth the most unique forms of presentation throughout all aspects of life, including the crowning jewel franchise of professional basketball, the Boston Celtics. One of the final four teams in the NBA for the 2017 campaign. That was quick, huh? 2014 didn't seem too long ago. And uh, yes, they the victors in this past Tuesday's draft lottery, which, by the way, I can confess, I still I can't believe that. I, I still had to stare at the morning paper the next day or read like a gazillion articles on my phone with the, you know, with the various headlines of the Celtics winning that lottery to just sort of let it sink in finally because I've let the past skewer my irrational perception of how they were and, and would fare in that. I, I expected the worst, but you know what? It's done, and that is now going to be in June. And the draft will be then. The Celtics, oh, fortune, let it have it. They're playing in Cleveland tonight. And no, this is this series is not easy. Uh, winning even one game in Cleveland is, is going to qualify as a semi-miracle. Uh, be, but regardless, stay in the moment. Appreciate what is happening now in this very eternal now. That is how we develop memories as fans, or memories in life for that matter. Don't think... As many did before the series, and especially now, I mean, it could, could play out. Uh, well, Cleveland's going to kill them. Or, or on the other side of the spectrum, got to get Gordon Hayward this, this offseason or whoever they would select. Enjoy the now. Enjoy the present. That's how Monday's Game 7, that just electric game, which I've watched probably three times over, and is something now that any diehard fan will appreciate and reminisce about the same way, say, someone like me, and I'll even still think about that Game 7, I, I still reminisce about my sophomore year in high school when that Celtics team, they had that run of the Eastern Conference Finals. They, they lost New Jersey, but they had the biggest comeback in playoff history. It was just a great season and was still one of the most enjoyable times, not just for me as a sports fan, my entire life. So whatever doomsday scenario may play out against the Cavs or whatever fantasy there is about the draft or free agency, that is still then. This is now, the now should still be appreciated and accepted as such. You know, this always takes me to a passage that I have since read somewhere around a million times in my life, and I can recite it off the top of my head wherever I go. And it's from Plutarch, who was the famed Greek and Roman historian writing in the first century A.D. in his profile of Marius, who was a Roman general who uh, was a part of the Republic's initial civil war, which was the precursor to the empire eventually being ushered in by the Caesars. And it was a critique of Marius. And in it, Plutarch wrote, and these words cannot apply more so than here, and I just about quote on this. Thoughtless and forgetful people let everything that happens to them slip away as time passes. And so, laying hold of and retaining nothing, real good always eludes them. Instead, they fill themselves with hopes and neglect the present while they fix their eyes on the future. Yet what happens in the future is subject to fortune, whereas the present is here and cannot be taken away. So get ready for tonight. Appreciate tonight. Game three of the conference finals where the Celtics are still playing and just about everybody else is not. And Matt and Mr. Vicini, go out and kill it here on episode number 210. And I will talk to everyone very, very soon. All right, we want to welcome on the all-around basketball expert, Sam Vicini. 
Uh, Sam, after this horrible, horrible Game 2 loss, I'm seeing very strong reactions on Twitter from Celtics fans. How about you, like, just as a fan of the game, are, are you as distressed about these Eastern Conference Finals as the rest of us? Just burn down the city. I mean, I think that that's the easiest way to go about it, right? If you burn down Boston, you probably burn down the Garden. And I think it's all it's all fine after that, right? I think we're good. Guess I'm not too optimistic about seeing <laughs> Game 5 in Boston. I think at the end of that game, when you, when you saw the, the fans clapping for the Celtics, chanting, let's go Celtics, I think that might have been an understanding that yeah. Game 5 is probably a remote possibility. But, hey, anything could happen. In one game, as, as, as strange as that sounds, after that uh, complete, I guess, humiliation by, by the Cavs on Friday night. So I, I've, I've been stressing, I guess, that Isaiah Thomas hasn't really looked right since sometime in the Wizards series. And I was sure of it kind of following game one. Like, Isaiah Thomas used to blow by guys all year. He was completely unguardable in, in single coverage. And in game one, we saw frequently, like, a big got switched on to him, which usually means death for the defense. But Isaiah couldn't get around these guys. He he couldn't get that space at the rim that we normally see from him. I just saw, like, zero burst from him. And, and now we learned over the weekend that he suffered a hip strain in Game 6 of the Wizards series. Then in Game 2 he of the Cavaliers series, he aggravates it in a collision. When you look at the Sam, obviously the Cavs are, are playing great. Boston isn't doing they're clearly not doing enough to slow them down and at least make this somewhat respectable do you see this as more like scheme or personnel or, or some mixture of the two or have like the Celtics just lost all belief that they can beat this team I think a lot of it is just talent right like the Cavs are just way better than the Celtics and I know that like a lot of people will point to the fact that the Celtics uh, were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference and, you know, had a two game advantage on the Cavs and all of this stuff. But like, I think it was on this podcast on the Celtics beat podcast where I said uh, after the trade deadline that they were more than a Jimmy Butler or Paul George away from beating Cleveland in the playoffs. And I think that ultimately what we're seeing is not only were they more than a Jimmy Butler and a Paul George away from beating the Cavs in the playoffs, but like they're probably a little bit more than that away. Plus we're seeing the downside of a not 100% Isaiah Thomas. Like I understand that he was like questionable going into game seven, but it's kind of a ridiculous designation, right? Because I think that if Isaiah Thomas was in a wheelchair, he would have been playing in game seven against the wizards. Like, it's it's kind of like what we saw with Stephen Curry last year in the playoffs, right? Like he was clearly not 100%, not right. And in the end, the Cavs are just such a talented team that are, you know, so well schemed and so locked in in the playoffs because of LeBron that they just know exactly how to take advantage of those little slight deficiencies that they see. And Cleveland deserves a lot of credit, too, for the way that they've built this roster, I think. They've built it in a way that it's kind of perfect for the playoffs. They don't really have a ton of deficiencies, and realistically, they don't have any deficiencies on offense because they can destroy the offensive glass with Tristan Thompson, as we've seen with uh, Game 1, really, was the key where Thompson was awesome on the offensive glass. Game 2, you know, he played 25 minutes, didn't really have a crazy offensive glass game, but then again... It's not like the Cavaliers missed a lot of shots either. If they need to shoot the ball from deep, they have Kyle Korver, J.R. Smith, Kevin Love, uh, Channing Fry, Darren Williams, like all of these role players that David Griffin has built around the Cavs to just create the utmost spacing possible 
around his three superstars in LeBron James, Kevin Love, and Kyrie Irving. I think it's more than anything a testament to the way that you build an organization around a hyper-elite superstar who can get into the lane and do whatever he wants on offense. You build it with spacing around them on offense, make it so that it's impossible for the defense to stop them, and then just hope that your superstar and your center and Tristan Thompson and hopefully whoever you have, it's kind of transferable to other organizations as well. I think San Antonio is kind of an example of this too. Just hope that uh, the rest of the players on your team can just outscore the opposition as opposed to, uh, you know, fall into these traps in terms of uh, the way that you see the Celtics end up isolated with Kelly Olenek on LeBron. You need to have guys who are not necessarily awesome two ways, but are at least solid enough within their execution that this kind of stuff doesn't keep happening. Yeah. Same thing with like a guy like Ryan Anderson, right? Yeah. That's a great example. Like the, I think that Greg Popovich did a great job of consistently finding a way to get Ryan Anderson isolated on anyone. Basically, really, they just attacked constantly. Whatever, whoever Ryan Anderson was on, it was done. So, uh, yeah, no, I think the key is that you really just need to find guys that maybe they're not like quote unquote two way players, but they're players who are at least solid enough in the scheme to where uh, they're not going to make terrible mistakes. So even so, I still feel like uh, Celtics fans had higher hopes for the, the Celtics defense, at least not allowing so many points and so many open shots. They're, they're you know, as great as the Cavs are playing. And I think they played like an A-plus game in, in game two. I mean, they, they were just so yeah. locked in and, and they're hitting every single open shot. But Brad Stevens suggested in the game two postgame, um, that he thought that the Celtics missed a couple of shots in a row. And they are getting a fair amount of open shots. I thought the Cavs defense was pretty good in game two, but um, the Celtics offense is still good enough, um, even with a hobbled Isaiah Thomas but before he went down, to, to generate open shots. And they're, they're, they're just missing. But he suggested that they're missing these shots, and then that sort of is dictating how they defend on the other end. And this team has mm-hmm. shown a lot of mental toughness at times, um, although a lot of people think it was a little bit more consistent a year ago. But they've also had moments where I guess you just expected a little bit more with the type of guys they have on their team. Um, and I know the Cavs do this to teams, but it looks like the Celtics are sort of struggling with, I guess, believing in themselves against the Cavs. Yeah, I think that you brought up a great point, right? Like in game one, I think they made more open shots. Game two was just a disaster, right? Like every single thing went wrong. They were basically, down by from 50. yeah, like every single thing went wrong from the opening tip. Like you can't expect that to happen, right? Like you cannot expect, uh, you know, to miss open shot after open shot. Like Avery Bradley, there's one that like stands out in my mind where like Avery Bradley was wide open and just like totally missed. And those are the shots that Avery Bradley knocks down all the time. And, you know, he goes one for five from three. Jay Crowder goes one for four from three. Uh, Isaiah misses both of his three-point attempts. Uh, Yurebko misses his three-point attempt. Olenek misses his three-point attempt. Like, it, it's just a... It was just an unlucky scenario, I guess, right? Like, sometimes the basket, the shots are going to go. Sometimes they don't. Uh, game two, they didn't go. Game one, they went at a reasonable pace, but, you know, Cleveland was making shots at an unreasonable pace. It's just a tricky spot for, for the Celtics, right? Like, they can't get down on themselves, but against this Cavs team, it's so easy to get down on themselves uh, after you see shot after shot after shot after shot fall. So 
it, it's a tough spot, and, and I feel for uh, Celtics fans, certainly, uh, but there are certainly some brighter horizons ahead for this organization. Oh, sure, we'll get there, we'll get there. Let's let's stick with this Eastern Conference Finals as, as painful as it might be. So on the broadcast, uh, Chris Webber was killing the Celtics for either slotting a big onto LeBron or switching and letting LeBron go one-on-one against a big. And I guess part of the problem is that the Celtics don't really have a great defender against LeBron. I mean, no one, no one's been yeah. really a great defender against them, but at least, you know, the Kawhi Leonard's of the world, the Jimmy Butler's, Paul George's, you know, even like PJ Tucker or, or something like that. You have guys that can at least slow right. him down just a little bit. I don't really think Jay Crowder has shown over the past couple of years with LeBron's gaudy, like point totals against the Celtics that he's truly up to the task. And I know Celtics fans are just dying to see more of Jalen Brown out there against LeBron James. He actually might be the, the best LeBron defender on the team. I don't know how he would fare over like you know a, a full a full forty eight minutes against him, but with with the Celtics matchups, I mean it's it's just bad. Like Gerald, I don't know if I really agreed with Brad Stevens putting Gerald Green out there to start the game. That might have been in response to knowing that Isaiah Thomas is injured and that they just needed to open the floor a little bit more. They were able to hide him against the Bulls because of their like predictable offense, and Dwayne Wade didn't really bother yeah. to guard Gerald Green. Uh, it was demonstrated that. You couldn't hide Gerald Green against the Wizards, and you certainly can't against the Cavs. But I guess my question is, is there anything the Celtics can do to slow down the Cavs in this context? Yeah, I mean, I think they should probably start Jalen Brown in this uh, for Gerald Green at like the combo forward spot or whatever you want to call it now. He would at least have a chance to defend LeBron. Uh, you might be able to hide Jay Crowder on Kevin Love. He's a little bit short, and Love might be able to kind of take him into the post a little bit easier. But... I'm willing to take that shot over, you know, what we've seen from LeBron against Jay over the last few years. In terms of like being able to win, you know, this series, I don't really think there's any major adjustment they can make uh, that, that's going to let that happen. But if you put in Jalen Brown, who I think has probably been their best player this series, do we think that's fair? Yeah, he scored 19 points. He was only a minus 14. <laughs> in, in a, yeah, in a, yeah, lost like, by what, 44? Yeah, like he he was probably he was definitely their best player last night, but right. like even even game one, like he was pretty good. I'd probably give him a chance at least. Putting a rookie on LeBron in the playoffs does not seem optimal <laughs> in terms of strategy, but it's you know it's the predicament the Celtics are in, right? They're uh, they're they're grasping at straws essentially to try and slow down the uh, you know this freight train that is Cleveland at the moment uh, around this basically unstoppable lineup of Kyrie, you know, LeBron, Kevin Love, and whoever they want to put around those guys. So uh, whenever you have that kind of offensive weaponry and all three of those guys are just so locked in, like all three of them are right now, it's really hard to find a solution. And to be honest, I don't know that there's a great one. And I mean, the other, the other problem with all of this is right. Like even when the Cavs miss shots, the Celtics just aren't a clean enough offensive rebounding team or defensive rebounding team to really, uh, you know, take care of business. Like Al Horford has gotten his lunch eaten by Tristan Thompson, like each of the last, I, I guess now three playoffs really. And that's a significant problem for Boston. And I think it's a problem going forward uh, as they continue uh, over the next three years, really to try and build around, uh, build around Al Horford and try and make a run to the NBA finals and hopefully a title. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't know if Celtics fans 
are, are even, I mean, even the most, I guess maybe the most optimistic Celtics fans are hoping to, to steal a game. Maybe the rest of us are, are hoping to at least make it respectable. It's playoff season, and having the right players on the court will be the key to success. That sharp outside shooter or power rebounder can be the difference between winning and losing. Business isn't any different. Your company needs the right people to be the best. So where do you go to find top talent? You can't find the best candidates by posting your job on just one site. You need to post on all the top job sites, and now you can with ZipRecruiter. At ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with one click. Then, their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your position. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No more juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes nationwide. And right now, Celtics Beat listeners can start forming their own winning team on ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. Try it for free today at ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. Let, let's switch gears to, to happier thoughts here um, outside of the Eastern Conference Finals. You are a college basketball expert after all, and, and fortune has smiled upon the Celtics as it basically has um, since the mega deal with Brooklyn. Brad Stevens is looking like an A-plus hire. They turned a declining Rajon Rondo into Jay Crowder, Guershan Yabuselli, and more. Um, they got IT for pennies on the dollar, and then he became a second-team All-NBA. Congratulations, Isaiah, by the way. Um, the, the Knicks and the Hornets did not accept that horrible proposed trade of four first-round picks, including at least one Brooklyn pick, so that the Celtics could move up to grab Justice Winslow. Um, the one thing they were lacking over this time was lottery luck un- until Tuesday night, where they received the number one overall pick. Um, and time and time again, we see that in order to win at the highest level, you need Hall of Fame players, actually probably two or more. Maybe the Celtics can get one here. So, uh, you know, let's let's start at the top. For the 2017 number one pick, if you're the Celtics, do you trade it for a guy like Paul George or Jimmy Butler? No, and the reason I don't is because I still believe that the Celtics have – more firepower than any other organization to go get a superstar without including that number one overall 2017 pick. They still have guys, and this is kind of going back to what I was talking about before, they still have enough assets in guys like Jay Crowder on his contract and Avery Bradley on a one-year deal and you know Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown. Like Throwing in that 2018 pick, throwing in all of the future Boston picks that they own, um, they, they still have enough to go out and get a superstar, even by not including a guy like Markel Fultz in that mix. So if I'm the Celtics, I am not considering moving this trade pick at all. Right. I think most Celtics fans are in agreement with that, or at least the ones that uh, I, I surround myself with. Yeah, I think I think the number one pick is, is just worth too much at this point. Okay, so everybody seems convinced that they'll take Markel Fultz. For the listeners who haven't dived into, you know, his YouTube highlights are are the ones that didn't catch a ton of Washington games over the course of this last year. And I mean, they were, they were pretty brutal outside of, of Markel. Yeah, I, w- I wish I hadn't caught as many as I did. Oh, yeah, I, I hate watch them. But uh, there was always Markel, though, <laughs> um, <or laughs> until, he, until he hurt his knee. But uh, can you give these fans a, a brief run- rundown on what he brings to the table and just comment on how good he is? 
Uh, yeah, he's awesome. Uh, <laughs> the way to put it is, uh, my old colleague at CBS, Matt Norlander, posted a question on Twitter, uh, a few days ago, maybe yesterday, maybe the day before. Uh, how would you rank these guards coming out of college? You know, John Wall, Markel Fultz, uh, Damian Lillard, and Kyrie Irving. Uh, I would have ranked them, John Wall, probably, uh, number one out of that group. But then I would have Markel Fultz ahead of Kyrie and, Damian Lillard. And that's ultimately what I believe. I believe that uh, Markel Fultz will be a top 10 offensive player in the NBA. He is uh, there. There's nothing he can't do offensively is the best way to put it. He can score from all three levels. Really, really good passer, underrated ability to pass the ball, really, because of what his teammates were. You know, his teammates shot something like 31% from three this year, and he still averaged six assists a game, uh, even with that being, even with the floor spacing being a total nightmare. Incredibly acrobatic finisher at the rim, can really do a lot of, uh, can finish above the rim if necessary can leap off of both one foot or two feet whenever he gets inside, Uh, you know, has a good in-between mid-range game that is incredibly important, I think, for lead guards because you want those guys with the ball uh, at the end of the shot clock to be able to create, you know, efficient looks. And sometimes the best way to do that is by being able to score at all three levels. Good shooter uh, coming off of screens. He can knock down shots off the dribble, off the catch. Uh, unbelievable instincts in the pick and roll for being able to, you know, get guys on his hip and keep them there, get guys on his back and keep them there. You know, can explode past uh, switches, can, you know, has the shake, has the wiggle to, you know, kind of shimmy past really good defenders, has the change of pace to be able to, uh, you know, really play with great tempo in uh, great intelligence from the point guard position. So offensively, he is one of, if not the most complete prospects I have scouted uh, in the, what, five or six years that I've been doing this. So uh, that's the kind of player you're talking about defensively. There are some concerns because of effort. Uh, he was certainly a part of why Washington was the worst uh, high major defensive team that I think I've ever seen in my life this year. Uh, you know, he just didn't care, but he does have really, really good, uh, you know, is a great frame, has the potential to at least be an average defender and can certainly be a switchable defender because he's six foot four with a six foot 10 wingspan, uh, and has really, really good lateral and, uh, vertical explosiveness. So there is, there's at least room for growth defensively. There is uh, a lot to be excited with offensively with Markel Fultz. So uh, he is, for me, in a tier by himself at the top of the draft. I know that some people you know, are trying to make this a debate between Markel Fultz and Lonzo Ball. I don't really see that at all. I think that Markel is a pretty clear level above what Lonzo Ball is. And we've seen with Jalen Brown this year that the first thing the Boston Celtics have asked for him is, defend your position. And he's actually come a really long way. I don't know how many Celtics games you caught at the beginning of the year, but it was a very frequent occurrence that you saw Jalen Brown lose his guy off the ball. And he really cleaned that up as the year went along with the Celtics really hammering it into him. I, I imagine they're going to try and do the same thing with Markel Fultz. And he, he at least has defensive potential. So I don't know. I guess I'm more help, hopeful with him defending on the Celtics with the guys that they're going to surround him with and with the coaching staff than I would if another yeah. team we're, we're going to be drafting him, but you know, 23.2 points, six assists, 1.6 steals, 1.2 blocks, six rebounds as well. We know he's got like this outsized wingspan. Uh, he's got great positional size. Uh, there, there's really a lot to love. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, some of his 
weaknesses on defense. What do you what do you see? I mean, I I just feel like Celtics fans are maybe just getting a little bit too carried away with with Markel Fultz. I think uh, we know that he's going to be a really good, potentially a great player eventually. But I guess on the offensive end, if you were to to pick out a few weaknesses, where might you go with that? Um, occasionally shot selection, but it's kind of tough to tell. I mean. Even really difficult shots for him at Washington were still probably their best chance to score. Um, so, you know, you could say shot selection would maybe be a part. He needs to get a little bit better from the foul line. Not a, uh, not an awesome foul shooter. Uh, seems to be more of a rhythm shooter than a standstill shooter, which, uh, you know, can translate into being slightly worse at the foul line than you are from the field. Yeah, really. I mean, there, there's not a ton to be concerned about with him. Like, maybe you wish that he was like a nuclear, like John Wall or Russell Westbrook level athlete, but you know, he's probably just the level below them uh, in terms of athleticism. So, I don't know that you're super worried there either. There's really not like you're really nitpicking to find holes in his offensive game, right? Like, he he just has so many different tools with which he can beat you that he's not only just like in terms of craft he has really perfected and worked to perfect his craft uh offensively in a way that is impressive but he's also you know athletic and just has the ability to blow by guys when he wants to so it's like a great mix of someone who has really worked to uh improve the little parts of his game and polish his game, but also has become uh, or has been born with these incredible natural talents as well. So, you know, if I was a Celtics fan, I honestly wouldn't be, I would be stoking the fire, you know, and I come from, and I come from it from an objective side. So I think that there's a lot to be excited about. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was such an unfortunate situation for him at Washington, I remember every single time he ran a pick and roll, like there would just be just like a hard hedge or something like that. And and maybe he hard should... hedge with help. Oh, like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. He never he never got open shots <laughs> like there were, there were always just two defenders on him. I, like you say, like he's he's not, you know, an A athlete, maybe like a, a B or B plus athlete. I sometimes wish he could have like just turned the corner c- coming off those those pick and rolls just a little bit better and, and gotten in, into the paint. But uh, again, with, with all that defensive help there that that might be asking just a little bit too much. OK, so. You think that, that he's the crown jewel of this draft, that he's in a, a tier by himself. I know not all scouts would necessarily a, a, agree with you. You mentioned that. But for some reason, the Lakers are painted as this, like, Lonzo Ball-oriented organization and that the, the Celtics really love Markel Fultz. I, I've been, like, scouring the Internet for actual evidence, but so far it's pretty light, and the Celtics are a pretty tight-lipped organization when it, when it comes to this stuff, and they'd like to keep other teams guessing but so far i've got brian scalabrini saying that he knows for a fact that the celtics love fultz isaiah thomas repping his uh uw buddy and markel fultz recently just retweeting a bunch of celtic stuff like he he certainly expects to be selected first overall but i I guess i just don't have any hard evidence um from the front office and we're still a month away from the draft so i'm at least i'm going to try to stir up a a little bit of, of drama here um even though fultz is rightly thought of as as the overwhelming favorite to be drafted number one but if, if I had to peg it, I'd say that if they wind up making the pick, and, and I'd be really upset if they didn't, but assuming they make the pick, the, I mean, is this like, do you see this as like a, a 90% probability, a 95% probability, or, or even higher? I would probably say, yeah, 90 to 95. 
Uh, you know, I feel pretty good about it that they'll make the pick. Uh, I would expect that they might have Jason Tatum at number two on their board. Maybe Lonzo Ball, but I, I probably would think Tatum is number two for them. Um, you know, maybe he ends up going, uh, you know, maybe in for a workout and just dominating and you know, doing every single thing and making them think about something. But I, I will be totally shocked if it's not Markel Fultz. Like it, it would be like you remember when in the 2013 draft, we really had no idea who was going to go number one overall. And the Cavs still selected Anthony Bennett and it still made Bill Simmons just like lose his crap on the broadcast like he was totally shocked and like like yelping that's what that would be me if they took anybody but markel volts i would be like yelping all right let me let me give you a chance to like push back on that just just a little bit i guess i've heard chad ford whatever whatever you think of him but um don't 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 even go nah, there. nah don't okay <laughs> All right. Go ahead. I'm joking. Okay. Like, <laughs> give, give, me, give me a chance here. I know he said that, uh, you know, that he, he, he pulled front offices and, and they're split between Lonzo Ball and Markel Fultz. And then I think, like, off the top of my head, um, uh, Jay-Z Majlis, Dean Demarcus, Luke Wynn. There, there's more people who watch this stuff and think Lonzo Ball might be in that a, a tier one prospect with Fultz. And I guess I, I don't know if I, I haven't really seen anyone truly repping like that. Jason Tatum or Josh Jackson is, is truly in that same tier. Only really Lonzo there, um, and I know he's fourth on your on your latest big board um, over over at Sporting News. I, I guess what's so fascinating about Lonzo from a scouting perspective to me is that he sort of divides scouts who think that he's a tier one prospect, um, a guy with an excellent chance to to carve out a Hall of Fame career, and those who think that he's very good, potentially great, but not markedly better than you know the Jason Tatum's, John, uh, Josh Jackson's, Jonathan Isaac's, De'Aaron Fox's of the world. And this is of course, because he's probably like the most unique college prospect in, in some time, maybe, maybe ever. I don't know. Um, so just follow my logic here for just a second. If there are these two camps with generally reasonable people on both sides and, and granted one camp is probably significantly larger than the other. And without much evidence that the Celtics are in camp one or camp two, how can we be sure that they don't love Lonzo ball's game? I, I mean, I talk to people from organizations and, you know, like everyone has said that Markel is going to be the pick to me. So I just say that Markel is going to be the pick. Um, I understand. I think that from a ceiling perspective, you know, Lonzo Ball's ceiling is probably pretty darn close to what Markel's ceiling is if everything goes right. Um, you know, if you just genuinely, truly believe in Lonzo Ball being this unbelievable, preternatural basketball player and talent, then I understand why you think that he is a tier one talent, but I also am someone who values downside in prospects and Lonzo Ball's downside is that he's not like he's a considerably worse athlete than Markel Fultz. Uh, he is, uh, you know, going to have shot, going to have problems as a lead ball handler, uh, shooting, going to his right. He is, He's also just not a great defender because he hasn't been asked to defend in his life, really. Um, he's shown the ability at times to defend, but he still doesn't do it. Um, he, he's just not as complete a prospect as Markel Fultz. Uh, you know, he's not as good in the pick and roll. He is uh, not as good at shooting off the dribble. Even though I know the numbers say that, he's really one-dimensional shooting off the dribble on that, you know, right-to-left crossover, step back to the left and shoot. 
So I see less utility with Lonzo Ball's game than I do with Markel Fultz. Now, if Lonzo goes to the right situation and they really foster all of his talents, then sure, I can see a world where Lonzo Ball ends up being better than Markel Fultz. But for me, I just strongly believe that, you know, Markel Fultz is a more complete, better prospect at not everything, but you know, like he's not the passer that Lonzo Ball is. Uh, You know, he might not have the instincts in terms of running a team and he might not create a culture of unselfishness that Lonzo does. But with the way that the modern NBA is going with lead guards, I really think you need to be an elite scorer to be a lead guard in the NBA. And we haven't seen that from Lonzo yet. And I'm not sure that we will. I think it's pretty, pretty obvious that the Celtics are going to take Markel Fultz right now. Well, let me confess, and, and hopefully Celtics fans won't come from my head. Um, but but I, I love Lonzo Ball's games, and I, I think I put myself probably in that in that first camp, and you know I'll, I'll happily die on that hill, <laughs> saying I was wrong um, if, if Lonzo is is not special. So let's switch to to some cap implications here. The, the number one pick, if there's a downside, it's that you got to pay him a little bit more than number two, number three, number four, or something like that. I think it's going to start at. $7 million for the number one pick, and then it's going to like rise up to 10 over, over the course of the contract. And I, most people who follow the Celtics expect that they're going to try and open up max cap space this summer in order to chase a, you know, a free agent. And like most people have their uh, sights set on, on Gordon Hayward, and that might involve making some difficult choices. So with this in mind, Celtics beat listener Daniel Lyle uh, wrote to the show saying, Hey, love your show. I'm a lifelong Celts fan, and I just wanted to know if you could discuss the unrealistic possibility of keeping the pick and signing a big-name free agent with cap cleared up by trading possibly Zeller and Rozier. Um, so, Sam, let, let's briefly open this question up uh, for a bit. I suspect that they won't guarantee Zeller's second year of his contract, and they'll probably have to renounce Kelly Olynyk to get close to that max space for a seven- to nine-year max player like like Gordon Hayward. And then also having Markel Fulves paying Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart, and Isaiah Thomas big raises next summer probably doesn't make too much sense for the Celtics and would push them pretty heavily in, into the luxury tax. Uh, do you have a sense of what the Celtics might do in this situation, or is it just completely up in the air? So I think that the way that they probably have to go about this is, is so Tyler Zeller's guarantee date is July 2nd. So I'd imagine they'll probably try and like close down Gordon Hayward if they can as quickly as possible to kind of figure out if they need to find a home for Tyler Zeller or how they have to act about that. So they'll figure out what they want to do with Tyler Zeller. Um, if it ends up that things are still pretty up in the air, I would imagine that they will, uh, you know, renounce Tyler Zeller's team option or decline his team option for the 2017-18 season um they'll keep kelly Olynyk. they'll give him the qualifying offer i would imagine that will keep his cap hold at right around seven and a half million or so eight million and if hayward tells the team that he wants to sign they will then renounce kelly Olynyk and put him out into free agency and uh go ahead and sign gordon hayward and i think that getting rid of both zeller and Olynyk gets them pretty close to where uh, they need to be for max cap space. They might have to like find a way to move on from, or they might have to just like decline Jordan Mickey's team option, which, uh, you know, guarantees later in July. And Demetrius Jackson also has a team option that is slightly guaranteed, but again, has a later in July guaranteed date uh, after the Gordon Hayward signing uh, would theoretically occur. Or, I mean, they, they could also like explore, you know, trading one of their guards and seeing 
potentially sure. uh, what they could get in the draft or something, because like I said, uh, you can't pay all of them. Um, right. Or like if Gordon Hayward commits to them, they could theoretically look at like, okay, we can try and send out more salary than would be coming back for a Jimmy Butler trade or something like that. Right. Like Jimmy Butler, I think is right around like 16 or so million. Maybe you can add up like Jay Crowder, Jalen Brown, and you know, a couple other guys and kind of make the, you know, I'd imagine maybe they only trade one of Jay Crowder and Jalen, but like, uh, you know, Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley or something like that and kind of add up the salaries and make the math work on it. Well, it's, it's such an interesting time for, for the Celtics. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this, this is why the Celtics have Mike Zarin and have like guys like him in the front office. They can find unique, creative ways to really make the salary numbers work. Yeah. They might be like the most interesting team in the NBA, at least from a, a team building perspective um, in the here and now. I, I for one can't wait to see what they do. All right. Of course, Larry H. Russell and Celtics beat will have you covered throughout the summer on the draft on free agency, etc. All right. We want to thank Sam Vecini for coming on the show. I implore you guys subscribe to the game theory podcast. I, I, I jumped at the opportunity uh, to be a staff writer for CLNS for that show uh, because I love it. So definitely go check that out. Is, is there anything else you want to plug Sam? I don't think so, man. I think, the, uh, you know, just got some stuff coming up at Sporting News. I write something at Vice every week. Uh, you know, just keep it locked to my Twitter feed at Sam underscore Vicini, and I think that you'll, uh, you know, you'll find the best things about what's going on. All right, great. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I, I love talking basketball with you, and I look forward to the next time that this happens. Yep, really appreciate it, Matt. Remember to subscribe to Celtics Beat on your favorite podcast app, or better yet, download the CLNS mobile app for free on iOS or Android. You can catch me over at the Boston Celtics Newsfeed having roundtable discussions, and I just want to thank Larry H. Russell and the founder of the CLNS Media Network, Nick Gelso, for allowing me on this program to discuss the Boston Celtics after this crazy, crazy week for the organization. And we've now learned that Isaiah Thomas will miss the remainder of the playoffs due to that hip injury, ending what Danny Ainge called a legendary season. So hats off to Isaiah Thomas. Game three is tonight at 8.30 on TNT, and we'll see you next week here at Celtics Beat.